0: Hello everyone, my name is Ruhi Jajal and I'm a Canadian high school student dedicated to helping students and adults alike around the world drive their consumption patterns to a more sustainable style. In my opinion, climate change is an imminent threat and it's everywhere. It's common knowledge. So I am here to provide quick, easy and sustainable solutions to heal our Earth. And I sincerely hope to spread my message to anyone I can in this series. And with that, this is our first guest speaker episode of my podcast, Dear Future Earth. It's in collaboration with We Naturalists, and with us today for our first episode, we have CEO and founder of We Naturalists, Amit Funka. We welcome you all.
1: Thank you, Johi. Thank you, and it's my pleasure to be part of this particular maiden podcast series that you've started. It's such an encouraging thing for everyone who's listening to it. Right? Thank you very much. Really, really much. happy to be part.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. And honestly, being a CEO of a whole company and the founder is such a big position, such a cool job, honestly. I really hope to be able to do that myself one day.
1: Well, I'm sure you would. The footsteps that you have uh, embarked on, I think uh, that's a clear message I can see. That's quite enterprising for you to start uh, uh, such an amazing podcast series. Uh, and tell your message to the world, uh, it's very, very difficult to uh, to think about it or probably implement it in, in the first place. So I'm sure those, that that's going to work out.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. For, I mean, that's personally, well, I'm very flattered. And I'm sure that a few of our viewers are, All they also have similar goals, dreams, strives. So just for them, I would like to know, what was like your vision for we naturalist? How do you start it?
1: Uh, to be honest with you, I come from a very different world altogether. Uh, we naturalist, by the way, is a platform which essentially works with individuals, professionals and organizations uh, in uh, achieving SDG goals, climate action goals, or work with organizations for their ESG in not just in terms of consulting, but also bringing them together on a particular platform, which is called be Naturalist, to uh, bring their work over here, get them some or the other kind of tools so that whatever they're doing can be done much better, right? And uh, whatever I saw getting into this particular uh, field, I realized that where little technology is being used to uh, take the message forward or their work to the world. Uh, so that's where we came in and we said that, let's try to solve that problem. Uh, it's a long drawn journey, uh, but I feel that with whatever we are trying to do over here, we can take them, take this particular message through people like you, through people like that we've been associated with, uh, 500,000 more and more people worldwide and we reach more than 100 countries. So I think that message is being forwarded to virtually everyone uh, with this particular platform. But coming to your question, why we got into this or probably why did I even think about it? So um, my corporate journey has been uh, pretty long. It uh, spans over two decades, but by and large, I have been a nature lover and also got a chance to uh, be in jungles, live the wildlife a little bit more got a, got uh, associated with bird photography in some manner uh, i just love being part of green in some manner right uh, and at the same time i also got a very uh, i was uh, really privileged to be a part of a foundation it's called swades and okay. over there 10 years 11 years back I realize there is much more to the development sector than what we see outside, right? So there are people who are talking about uh, upliftment of underprivileged people worldwide. Uh, we talk about holistic living solutions. We talk about education, life, life uh, livelihoods, we talk about uh, health care for them. But uh, we realize that uh, unless and until we protect natural resources and Get the people over there to make make them aware of what exactly is uh, uh, is is uh, nature's uh, requirement, right? We will not be able to do justice to whatever uh, nature has given us, right? So awareness creation, bringing them on the same page was very critical. So we created lots of interesting solutions by bringing people together. So that was the first instance where I got to know the power of community and how three or four key stakeholders can bring the community together and make them aware of their rights, their duties, their their, uh, ability to drive uh, self-sustainance in some manner, right, by a little bit of a guidance, right? And a little bit, I think I can see what you are trying to do with this particular podcast as well sharing the message in your own way, right? But it's more a uh, little bit passive, right? And you are trying to make it as you move forward in life, I'm sure you'll lead in a certain way that it will become more an active way of dealing with uh, these kind of things. So at our end, uh, you know, with We Naturalists uh, in on one of those days, I realized that there is one platform which needs to bring these many people together from all over the world so that the climate change is is understood well climate change is something that uh, is is uh, affecting all of us in one form or the other uh, climate change is also uh, bringing lots of challenges in lives which are very common uh, all around the world right so it can only be addressed when people start understanding and learning from each other, they start sharing their issues and problems and solutions at one place. Plus, if I have to do it at scale, you need a technology which can bring all of these things together. So that was the that was the starting point. Uh, it actually started in a jungle. Uh, the thought process of this, and today we have. One of the largest communities working across the board for their project management, community building, engagements with their work, uh, inspiring uh, lots and lots of people. There are children on board. There are youth, there's youth on board. Uh, we we've just been able to uh, make small dent uh, right in whatever we're trying to achieve and what's whatever our goals are.
0: That is wow. That is honestly amazing. I love the fact that it's like cliché how it actually started in a jungle and then it expanded to like the technological world on a completely like global scale. Even as you were talking, I kind of remembered like the one phrase which says everything and everyone in the world is all connected. After after really I'm building your app-
1: that.
0: Yes. <laughs> after building your um app, did how have you come to like resonate with it? How have you become closer to all the people that are on the app?
1: Yeah, that was a journey for me, to be honest, uh, because I started with like thinking over here and then slowly with as the team started building, as I started developing, as uh, people started joining uh, from different parts of the world, when we started doing the research, Of what exactly would work and what would not. Uh, It was honestly a journey. Um, It's uh, not going to be, I'll I'll be uh, honest, that it didn't occur to me that I'm entering into a completely different world. I thought that we will be able to solve problem very early in the days but you know, uh, as you start some of these interventions, uh, which are a little unknown to the common world, right, coming from the corporate world, we know what exactly work, what doesn't work, right. But over here, knowing this community itself was one of my biggest challenge. Right. People who work in the environmental sector, people who are environmental scientists, naturalists, people who uh, protect our jungles, people who are associated with uh, plants uh, uh, and uh, people who are running nurseries, indigenous plant protection organizations, people who are into conservation of uh, birds and animals or or any natural resource in any manner, Uh, people working on water solutions uh, in some manner or or anything to do with energy. All these things really uh, inspired me day by day. The moment I got into this particular And I think um, it's very interesting that today, uh, if I look back, right, uh, because we were a little methodical with our approach, it seamlessly uh, synced in with us, right, because we, we were just getting from one level to the other and the third without even realizing the kind of work that has gone behind it. Right, and today, if I look back, right, and that's why I said it's a journey that look back that every milestone, we unfortunately couldn't celebrate because we always at every milestone we realize that oh, uh, there's so much yet to be achieved, right? And with each of those milestones, we realize that no, this is still not a celebration time, we need to do, do a lot more than what we are actually designed. Uh, so, I think. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm uh, fully answered your question, but I think this is largely uh, to do with uh, dealing with a lot of unknowns and how do you ensure that uh, each and every leg of it, right, is meticulously planned and executed. Uh, all the effort that has gone uh, with the team here has been phenomenal, right? And I think. Um, i couldn't I, I don't know today if i could have been doing anything better than what we have been able to execute except probably taking uh, this to the world a little better uh, with our efforts so i think that there's there's a lot there's a lot that is still to be done
0: of course and i know we naturalist is a growing platform it's constantly developing every day and now just talking to you i can see all the ambition and talent and skill and hard work and perseverance that goes in the background of all of this. So that's quite admirable, in my opinion. And I do think that as long as this continues to happen, and all of this hard work continues to keep on hardworking, then you guys will continue to grow. And honestly, I'm really excited to see what happens after this. I'm really excited. Thank you so much. Of course. and. So one thing that you were talking about that really got me intrigued was when you were saying that you kind of like the whole team collaborates together and there's always some sort of organization, some sort of plan behind every sort of milestone to the point where you really aren't able to celebrate it. How how do you go about planning all the different sort of activities you're going to do? How do you know the next steps you're going to take?
1: Uh, Interesting questions, Uh, but as I said, uh, that knowing this, moving around the market with this particular product, we naturalist is a product, it's a technology product, Uh, taking to the world and understanding their needs once they see it further, right? And uh, my visit to Africa was a game changer. Uh, My visit to a lot of other places on some of the conferences, overseas. meeting more and more people made me realize that what would be the uh, outcome of something like this, what kind of acceptance that it would really, uh, uh, you know, bring in, right? So I think uh, it's a very, uh, uh, If I would be lying if I say that everything was very, very well planned, right? We took certain steps, which were the need of the hour, we took certain steps, which were writing on the wall, but we ignored in the initial phase, right? Uh, We also realized that there are a lot of things that we could have done differently at a later stage, right? But uh, by and large, milestones and their achievement and the planning before that or behind that is just something that you would do in a normal course right? And then then ensure that that is being executed well, right? So uh, Mm -hmm. the key is the execution, right? I may have 500 ideas, but if I don't get the right team together, people to buy into your vision, right? That's the most critical thing in the space, which is uncharted territory, right? So this is something which was very, very new, right? So we had to bring in the team who who can buy in the vision of what we are trying to do over here. Uh, That was primarily the major, the bigger hurdle as compared to actually planning for any milestone.
0: Nice, nice, awesome. That It seems like I know that every single process can have bumpy steps, so that's very normal. And I still respect all of you guys for being able to actually do all these sorts of things for we naturalists. I mean, you even went to Africa. Where in where in Africa did you go?
1: Oh, that was an interesting trip. For uh, it was in uh, Kenya and Tanzania.
0: Oh, that's uh, cool.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. Met with so many interesting people, really inspiring people. I mean, they have done so much to uh, to really protect uh the natural resources and actually the world converges over there are they on
0: we naturalist right now
1: oh a lot of them right so more than 30 percent of our audience in on we naturalist right now hails from africa and africa yeah
0: that's so cool so along with like the different demographics what are the kind of different topics that are um mentioned in we naturalist what do people like to um, advocate for? What do they like to talk about? I'd love to know. So uh,
1: very interestingly, it's very diverse. People talk about their work. Their work could be protecting plants or animals and what the kind of stuff that they're doing over there. People also talk about how to educate more and more people around the world. There are children who are participating in inspiration talks to Uh, There are children who are actually telling the world how to uh, work towards climate change and climate action. Uh, There are children who've been uh, the the thought leaders to the people who've been uh, taking first steps uh, towards climate action at the age of seven, at the age of 10. So we have uh, amazing, amazing children on the Age of seven? Seven. Yes. Uh, My goodness. I mean, right all from all over the world. Uh, the age group, I mean, uh, we naturalists actually uh, boasts of uh, creating a platform which is so safe and amazing for children uh, and, and youth, they can talk about their work freely. Uh, well, mentored by various people on the platform, they can connect f- uh, fearlessly with anyone and they can see that what exactly that's happening around the world towards climate action so i guess uh, so there's there's a lot that's going on but to come to back to come back to your question uh, there are environmentalists uh, uh, you know zoologists botanists educators uh, uh, people who work in jungle as i mentioned earlier uh, uh, protecting flora and fauna the forest officers Uh, There are people who are into marine uh, technologies and marine uh, life protection. Uh, There are people who are in uh, ecotourism space on the platform, who are running expeditions. Photographers, nature photographers, wildlife photographers, um, authors, uh, poets, uh, who are actually writing on uh, on nature and, and inspiring stories. So we have various uh, set of people uh, who are doing some amazing work uh, on the platform. We have communities right from different parts of the world who are using the platform for different purposes for either engagement or working within a particular community for projects. We have organizations like Rotary, UNICEF, uh, state governments, and running their programs on vNaturalist. We have organizations who are technically running their uh, uh, their projects with a kind of close group board meeting sorts where they can share their data and stuff like that and freely, which is in a very, very private group and private circle. So the usage of platform is humongous. I mean, I can go on and on. It would be even one or two hours would be less. <laughs> but uh, point is that, yeah, uh, that this is this is really coming out well.
0: That. Wow. I can see that clearly. If seven year olds are able yeah. to create a lot of content. So that we,
1: is- that's why we run sorry to interrupt. But we run uh, uh, eco clubs in schools through We Naturalists. Uh, we run green entrepreneurship programs in colleges with uh, with WeNaturalist and using the platform in certain way. So this is just our first step of taking it to the world at large. But yeah, I think there's a long way to go.
0: Awesome. So one thing that I'm curious about, because it's re- it's related to what this whole podcast is about. It's related to the niche. What would you say? What would you say We Naturalist does to support sustainability?
1: Uh, everything that we do is uh, towards uh, providing a platform where people can not, just not talk about sustainability, but showcase their work and inspire millions with that. Uh, actively, we just encourage people around the world to talk about sustainability on a common platform, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I can talk about myself. Right. I have been wherever I have gone and spoken about sustainability, uh, wherever I have told people and children especially through our green childhood program is all about sustainable lifestyle, which is one of the things that you want to cover as part of your podcast as well. And I personally feel uh, children and youth and, and sub 20-25 age group is going to make is going to be the flag bearers of sustainability in future because that's where the right largest amount of consumption is taking place, mm-hmm. right? So, as a proponent of a sustainable lifestyle, I have been a great uh, admirer of people who have been in this particular space and taken the mantle of uh, of uh, promoting sustainable lifestyle but at the same time i think there's a long way to go our message needs to reach to each and every nook and corner especially the pockets where the consumption is uh, is the maximum which is urban uh, habitats uh, larger cities since i come from mumbai india uh, i uh, happen to see the way urbanization has taken place in the country and how exactly it's affecting uh the natural resources in one form or the other so consumption over consumption uh our way of dealing with our, our routines everything is going to be uh is going to be uh, very very consequential for our dear future earth.
0: i like the way you phrase that that's awesome <laughs> So the thing about sustainability that I've come to realize is that many people have a very mixed definition as to what sustainability is. Like most people think of sustainability as having enough resources to last future generations, which is true, but that's not all there is to sustainability. Like if you were to think of, for example, if you were to think about any sort of natural resource or or let's say you were to think about a tree, like a palm tree or something. It's like, if you were to cut down too many palm trees for some sort of usage then, and there weren't any left for future generations, that would definitely be, the action of cutting down so many would be unsustainable, quote. But on We Naturalists, I'm sure that in your experience, you have a lot of knowledge on what sustainability is, what it isn't, so, If you were to hear the word sustainability, if you were to define it, what would you say sustainability truly is?
1: Uh, Simply put, anything that helps you reduce the carbon footprint, any action that you take reduces carbon footprint. Like for example, if I am uh, using, or or let's talk about eating, right? So if I'm eating something which comes from America, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right, as compared to locally produced, right, automatically the stuff that is coming from America uh, is generating more carbon footprint.
0: You're based in in Mumbai, India, right? Right. Okay. Okay. So that would...
1: So, uh, so if I'm consuming anything which is coming from far-flung areas or which has traveled mil- uh, thousands of kilometers uh, and coming from different parts of the world in any manner, it's obviously generating larger carbon footprint. How does that work for the world? Because it's used a lot of fuel and effort and manners to come to this place right? And that has generated a lot of carbon footprint. So effectively as local as you can be, that is sustainability. That is the first stage that I define as sustainable. Anything that you do that reduces carbon footprint or that as a consequence consequence it reduces carbon footprint is going towards sustainability
0: i completely agree with that uh along with reducing the carbon footprint it's like you said it's like stage one so what would you say are like a couple of the other stages i'm curious now so I,
1: yep that's the greed okay so <laughs> uh, i think uh sustainability uh, for an individual is living a sustainable lifestyle sustainability for an organization would be to define processes which reduces carbon footprint okay. right so for an organization how energy how is the energy being utilized plus what kind of energy are you using green energy versus uh, fossil fuel developed or anything that is generating more carbon footprint that kind of energy it's solar wind or whatever so i think energy consumption to the processes that you utilize for logistics, right? What are those smaller nuances in your overall uh, production in any manner that you can change to create a more sustainable, for more from a organization perspective itself and cost reduction. And that also leads to uh, lesser carbon footprint. So I think everything, I mean, whatever you'll ask me, whether it's for an individual or even right from, the children to the grown ups to the organizations across the board anything that you do uh, has to culminate into lesser carbon footprint.
0: So, just to confirm, the carbon footprint, like reducing the carbon footprint, is kind of the umbrella goal, and then everything Absolutely. else related to sustainability kind of falls underneath.
1: Right. I mean, I-, I think. Uh, that's that's absolutely right. Because if you really see the way environment really changed during COVID, why did it happen? Because our consumption pattern changed. We were consuming a lot of local, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of things stopped. That means the human activity is reduced. And that's why you could see a clear sky in 99% places or world over, right? There were news, floating around that, hey, I mean, there's certain things that I saw which otherwise in the normal day I couldn't because, I mean, I could see Mount Everest sitting over here in Mumbai. I mean, I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, it was that clear.
0: Uh, fun fact, actually, which I wanted to add, uh, I'm pretty sure somewhere in I had read about this somewhere in northern India, the Himalayas um, were actually visible from a 25 kilometer distance for the first time in, I believe, 30 or something years.
1: Lovely. I mean, that's, I, know. I mean, that's a notable fact.
0: That's the kind of goal that we're really going yeah, for. Exactly. It, even what with sustainability yep,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So in terms of like action based, like, because so far it's all been talk, even in the media and everything, it's a lot of talk talking about how we can use renewable in- energy to our advantage, how we can change our habits and all but let's talk about like actual action, because I feel like that's really important, especially for you, because of we naturalists. You are the definition of action. <laughs> um, so in terms of sustainability, what would you say is its... What is its role in, in creating a better future? Like, what is its role? How exactly can we utilize it to create a better future, a more... Future?
1: Uh, Sustainability as a concept, uh, Mm -hmm. if well understood and implemented, uh, step by step, we ourselves will see this impact slowly coming in, right? If implemented at a particular scale, it will show its own uh, benefit in that particular area and hence, so it will start small and it will keep on growing as as the message grows, as the community starts adopting those practices, uh, uh, the world is now talking about uh, net, getting into net zero. Some of the countries have uh, targets of reaching net zero in the next 10 years. Some of the countries are talking about net zero in 20 years. Some of the organizations have already started talking about going net zero on uh, their carbon footprint next four or five years. Some someone is talking about next year. Right? So I think each of the goals, like, so it's proven that you can start small, but it will definitely have a rippling impact on the world, the community. Um, And uh, slowly, uh, I think over a period of time, you'll start seeing impact. But uh, it's a very patient game. Whatever you intend to do in this space, you cannot look for a quick fix. One thing that I've seen and why I'm very big proponent of uh, children adopting certain things early in their age and then promoting it and taking it to the next level. And I give this example to a lot of people, right? Uh, in Mumbai, uh, I mean, in Diwali, you know, is such, uh, such a big fest and it's always celebrated with a lot of pomp and show and firecrackers and, and lighting and stuff like that. But uh, when children came together, and there was a lot of awareness creation in schools, uh, a few years back, uh, during that year, and the next three years, the firecracker consumption uh, reduced by almost 80% or 70%. Oh,
0: my. And And that
1: gave a very, very different environmental push.
0: And school children did this?
1: Yes because they are the largest proponent of, uh, uh, the adoption of some of these practices, because if a children would say that, Hey, I want a firecracker. Parents do not have a choice, but to go for it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. But my
1: daughter, my herself, she said, Oh, we don't want to do it this time. Right. And that was the biggest, uh, factor for us to decide. And that's primary reason why I feel that it may start small, but as this message grows, right, it will have a rippling impact across For the
0: world. sure. India being such a yeah. large and populated country, I can I can only imagine how much how much yeah. emissions come from Diwali fireworks alone. Absolutely. Astounding numbers really. that would be so wow, that's a great cause actually and great action as well. These small actions are actually really good as you, uh, if we can connect it back to the previous thing, we had talked about decreasing the carbon footprint or any sort of emission footprint. That is, that's definitely a step that kids are taking um, at a really young age. That's yeah. amazing. That's something and, and that you kids
1: can... are, they uh, actually uh, uh, are involved in decision-making these days. Whether to go for an electric car at house or, as compared to uh, another one, right? Which runs on fossil fuel, uh, there are the, the kind of clothes you should buy, the kind of uh, uh, places that you should go for, the travel habits to the, to, the, uh, to the food habits, it's driven by children, right? They are the largest contributor in decision making as far as these consumption patterns are concerned. So why not bring them into the fold and, and make them the flag bearers of sustainability in every household?
0: So true. Like This is um, prominent in India, right? Yep. That's great. I completely agree with you. I do think that even, even in schools, many schools, children do get educated on these things. They get taught the basics of global warming, the basics of climate change, but I guess, Because children are so energetic, it's easy to come up with ideas. They're so bright. So even any sort of ideas that can be come up with, um, that can be um, utilized, that could be um, put into action, any sorts of those, I feel like all of them should be taken really seriously because, I mean, in the end, children, they're children, they love the earth and I feel like if you have a drive, if you have an idea, then it should be at least considered. So the small things like the Diwali firecrackers, that's like a great example, a great example of taking small steps to reduce the footprint.
1: All right. What okay. have you done? Let me ask you, what have you done, uh, differently since the time you've started talking about sustainability? Is there anything that, uh, comes to your mind, which is really, rung the bell and said that, hey, these are the things that I should be careful about. Uh,
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, okay. So one thing is that um, so originally I had worked with a researcher to kind of create my own paper on different industries affecting climate change. And one of the more prominent ones was the meat industry. I have been a vegetarian since birth, but I used to eat eggs as well. And I know that the egg industry is huge all over the world and that there's a lot of transportation that's involved. There's a lot of um, labor that's involved, a lot of cruelty that's involved. And honestly, all of those things in some form or another, whether it be emissions, whether it be just raising the chicks, any sort of thing like that, they all contribute to global warming, climate change. They all contribute to unsustainability in some form or another. So I knew that- I know that one person doesn't fully make a difference, but ever since I started I ever since I started um, like talking about sustainability, I decided that I want to decrease my egg intake as much as possible. So I even I just try to avoid it altogether. Sometimes it's inevitable. It happens where it's like you're eating something and then you only later realize that it has eggs in it. That's bound to happen. but. Yeah. Overall, just I've been trying to decrease that and I've been trying to tell some of my vet- other vegetarian friends as well in a nice way, of course. And yeah. I, um, a couple of my friends are actually interested in that. So I feel like overall, just me taking that step and me encouraging others to do the same is it's a small step, which we aim for in this podcast. But it is it will be effective long term. And I'm excited right. to see how that goes for my health, for our earth's health, for everything.
1: And do you see this particular pattern emerging with some of your other uh, friends as well in school or class or in your friends group?
0: So many of my friends are actually many of my friends are Indian and um, many of them are also vegetarian, uh, mostly because of religious beliefs, which is completely fair. At first, I was too. And be, um because of that i feel like it was much easier to get them uh, um it was easier to get them under the influence a little bit so because they had already taken that step of being vegetarian their whole lives and at that point in time they had kind of suppressed any sort of desire that they may have had to eat meat entirely so at that point in time i felt like even as I was telling them inside, I felt really good because I knew that I was doing something great <laughs> and I knew that it would just be very nice, very fulfilling if it were to have an actual impact, even just in my city.
1: You're right. And do you think that we- going vegetarian is the only way to uh, sustainability?
0: This really went reverse. Um, definitely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, of course, veganism and I mean, diets is a small thing. It's a small. Um, solution amongst billions and billions of solutions out there. Right. It's just, it's the one that aligned with me. It's the one that I and knew. Mm-hmm. It's one that would benefit me. I know mentally, physically, spiritually, that is one of the many solutions that I plan to take in the future. And I'm glad right. that this is um, one of my first.
1: Right. And uh, so I think this has been uh uh, topic in my head for a very long period of time on uh, on sustainability and going vegetarian or vegan or being a non-vegetarian being no, more non-sustainable. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, again, if you relate it to the uh, the carbon footprint concept that we were talking about, mm-hmm. right? And if you are at a place which doesn't have Vegetarian diet at all, right? You're you're living at a place which doesn't offer you a vegetarian diet, and uh, whatever is locally available, it could be meat at that point time. Although I always prefer vegetarian, so uh, I'm not proposing that people should turn non-vegetarian wherever they want to. It's about your personal choice, but. Uh, but do you really think that at that point in time you would still suggest that hey no uh, you cannot eat meat and uh, you need to be a vegetarian
0: i mean as we discussed earlier that sustainability is anything you can do in your boundaries something you can do locally yes. i would say if if it isn't available in your local area then maybe um, stray away from it personally where i live I mean, there's an abundance of vegetarianism abundance of Mhm. And, and that's all
1: locally produced. Uh
0: mostly mostly because mm-hmm. I live in the suburbs of an urban city it is sometimes hard to find local produce but I still do try and manage I try and get organic even at the grocery store we look for organic. Right. Um and but is
1: organic uh, is organic sustainable? What do you think I would
0: say, I would say that when talking about organic foods it's Let's say that I would say yes and no because organic—the mere difference between like a um, like a regular fruit, for example, like an apple or in an organic apple—is that the organic apple is GMO-free. So any sort of genetically modified organism, any sort of pesticides, it's grown that way, and it's more natural, which means that it also goes bad in few days compared to um, compared to GMO. The one which is from. modified. Exactly. Right.
1: Modified now, apples. I, I think, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that, but... that's one
1: way of looking at it. But I think uh, the impact of all the in, uh, ingredients uh, to the soil, whether it is fertilizers or pesticide, it's actually making earth, which is soil, unsustainable.
0: Exactly.
1: So that is the most critical aspect. And that actually flows all those pesticides and the chemicals through the water table it flows through uh, to different places and and ultimately leads to rivers and oceans right yeah. so so i think uh, there are there are multiple layers of uh, organic to non-organic to all of the stuff that is being used so i think i have also been talking about using more safe ones
0: mm-hmm. right
1: where the different agricultural practices are being used to make it more sustainable rather than heavily dependence heavy dependence on fertilizers or gmos or or, all those things to make the product look good mm -hmm.
0: yeah (laughs) that is yeah yeah it's marketing but at the same time would you then like i guess let's confirm this since there are two sides to the story so the apples can be preserved for longer and because of that they can feed a lot of uh more poverty-struck in communities that would be more beneficial, but at the same time, it's not <clears throat> in in terms of environment. It's not the best because it contaminates soil, can contaminate roots. Um, so for human benefit, it's great, but for environmental benefit, it's not. So I guess how is the,
1: it benefit, beneficial for human
0: because um, like, a
1: lot of other people will be able to consume it.
0: Yeah, and um. For example, organic produce is generally more expensive compared to GMO produce. So let's say any, any sort of like poverty or um, struggling families would be able to buy mm-hmm. the um, GMO processed foods and they would be able to probably live on the food for longer, which is beneficial towards humans, but again, not beneficial towards the environment. I think there's generally a solution that can be mutual where there is other, there are definitely other solutions which can um, which are mutual good for both the environment and for humans themselves. Um, I don't think that we have a proper solution as of yet. But again, as we grow, we'll find out.
1: Right. I think uh, what the example that you gave uh, of modified foods or things which are being produced in bulk, uh, maybe Apple is not the right example for that. Maybe food grains could okay. be the example for meeting the underprivileged requirements
0: hmm, because that,
1: even the, even those apples will never reach the underprivileged.
0: Mm-hmm. That is, so, that is true,
1: right? Because of the price benchmarking and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And that's one of the reasons also why we've not been able to take certain steps because our consumption has increased manifold in last few years, but our productions have not. And that's also given uh, the economic cycle has also not been able to uh, address that particular aspect because the prices have increased. And, and, and uh, obviously you have to continue to produce more and more in this in, a, in similar kind of resources Right, And and, uh, in most of the countries, the cultivable land or the agricultural land or the parcels have reduced. And hence, from that particular reason, uh, you have to produce more from the same acre of cultivable land. So I think that's also one of the reasons why you have to keep on using technologies or chemicals or something to produce more and more at every given point.
0: Mm-hmm. There, are, there have been
1: instances where uh, massive use of chemicals have actually made the land so unfertile and it will not be fertile for the next 50 100 years right so there's over usage of chemicals and these are live examples in front of us in many parts of the world it's not only in india or or china or anywhere else across the world we've seen this
0: and indeed the- <clears throat> that's really saddening. I know we learn about it, but to even talk about it sometimes gets really sad. Uh, But it's very true. I think one of the, I guess one of the solutions, quote unquote, would be optimum sustainability. But do you think that that would even be possible, optimum sustainability?
1: I don't know how to define that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's,
1: why, that's why I said rather than going organic, so you can't deal in zero and one, right? <laughs> so either you go completely <clears throat> GMO, preservatives uh, way, or you go completely organic, you will hmm. have to devise a safe way of doing it, which is somewhere in the middle
0: that is true i mean for thousands of years we've used the organic way and it has benefited us greatly the only problem is that with huge um exponential population increase it's just been more difficult but there are definitely more sustainable healthy solutions for our dear future earth in that case absolutely but overall sustainability is a very Delicate topic, but I'm glad that I was able to discuss it with you today. Thank you. Of course. With that, I think that basically wraps up this episode of Dear Future Earth.
1: Lovely. My. Pleasure. Would you have and
0: anything I else you would like I to add? I was able
1: to do justice to your. I hope I was able to do justice to your podcast, your maiden podcast, and really thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you very much. Do you have anything else you would like to say to the audience?
1: Um, I think uh, I would just like to urge everyone to take this particular uh, conversation very seriously. Probably go through it once more. Give us your feedback. We would like to probably come back and uh, you know discuss more intricate topics which leads to sustainability or it can help you measure your lifestyle change on a regular basis, we can actually come up with Q and A's if required, right? Depending upon uh, everyone's feedback. we would like to take this forward uh, as the the baton with Ruhi, along with her in her journey of uh, being a podcaster. So Mm. lovely, lovely to be here and uh, would like to have more and more such interactions with people
0: like you. Thank you thank very you. much, Mr. Bangalore. I'm, I'm so grateful that you were the first guest on this podcast. I'm extremely grateful. Thank you so thank much. You.
1: My great. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank so you so
0: much. Bye. Have a great Bye. day. Bye. Thank you. Dear Future Earth is now streaming on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.